Welcome to the Catalyst Podcast. This episode, entitled Baptism, was given on May 7, 2017, by Bethany Shea. We doing good? Sweet. I'm glad that you're all here. Um, next uh, Saturday is HSU graduation, so um, we will be sad to see some of you graduate and move away. Jenny. Oh. Uh, and a lot of you will be leaving over the summer, so um, we want to pray blessing over you. So we'll do that uh, later on and, and definitely next week. Um, and you will be missed for sure over the summer. Um, but this morning, I wanted to talk about baptism a little bit. How many people have been baptized? Cool. So a lot of people. That's really great. Um, and we'll, we'll have baptisms coming up in the summertime, so we'll, we'll talk about that moving forward as well because it's, it's so much fun doing it in the river. We just go to the Mad River or to Trinity and, and dunk you. So it's pretty cool. Um, let's get started with prayer, though, and, um, and then we'll get into the Word of God this morning. If you can, just open up your hands as a way of symbolically releasing this time before God, but also as a way of symbolically receiving from God. So Jesus, we love you so much, and we are so thankful that we get to gather together in your name, that we get to be your church in this place. And we know that this place is full of prayers over the ages. And so this is just one more that we offer to you, embedded in the walls embedded in the hearts of the people. And for that, we give you great glory, Jesus. God, we pray that we can release this time before you. If there's anything on our hearts or in our minds that are keeping us from being fully present, we we, we pray that you'll take those distractions away, that we can receive from you what you have for each of us. Because God, you have created each person so uniquely and you have a story to tell them about who they are and about how much you love them and delight in them. So please help our hearts be able to receive that word today. May it transform us, and may we leave from this place different than when we walked in. We love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So um, today we're gonna talk about baptism. Uh, Sometimes uh, baptism has been used down the ages as a way of manipulation in some ways, or who's in and who's out. Um, baptism is, uh, is something that God instilled in the, like, way in the back of the time. We're going to look at how Jesus redefined baptism um, and then what it means for us today as, as people, as a baptized people. Um, but a few weeks ago, we celebrated Easter Sunday. Uh, this is the fourth week in Easter, which is kind of like the rotation of the church. So we're in the fourth Sunday of Easter. And we looked at how Jesus' resurrection changes everything. It changes our every way that we have to see the world um, because God has invited people into this great celebration that we get to take a part of, that we get to live into every day of our lives. Uh, Jesus, in that Easter Sunday and that we celebrate, he defeated death on the cross and he defeated it through resurrection and invites all people into this new way of living. So in Matthew's gospel, um, there's different gospel writers. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are the four gospels. Uh, Ian from church, he's not here. He had, he had a wedding to go to. But he said, he said, you know, there's five gospels. And I was like, uh, really? What do you mean five gospels? And he's like, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and you. And I was like, bah, so good, so good. 
good. Yeah, so that's that's extra tidbit for you guys. Uh, so Matthew is just one of the Gospels that were written about Jesus, the life of Jesus. It was written from a very a strategic viewpoint for people to get a very uh, clear understanding of who Jesus was through Matthew's understanding. So what we see is after, the, after Christ was crucified, uh, we see Mary Magdalene and, uh, and her friends, they make their way to the tomb because they want to embalm the body. They want to prepare the body of Jesus um, because when Jesus was crucified, it, like he, he was crucified, he died, and all of a sudden it was Sabbath. And in the Jewish rules, they couldn't actually do anything, any kind of work, even caring for a body, would be disgraceful. So they had to leave it. So they came back as early as they could in the morning. So turn with me to Matthew 28, and we'll read this together. It says in verse 1, After the Sabbath, at dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. There was a violent earthquake, for the angel of the Lord came down from heaven, and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning, and his clothes were white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. The angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus, who was crucified. He is not here. He has risen, just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples, He is risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Now I've told you. So the women hurried away from the tomb, afraid, yet filled with joy, and ran to tell his disciples. Suddenly Jesus met them. Greetings, he said. They came to him, clasped his feet, and worshipped him. Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. There they will see me. So we see in other gospel accounts, we'll keep reading in just a minute, but we see in other gospel accounts that Jesus takes this time after this moment and he hangs out with his friends, with old friends, and he makes new friends, and he's like hanging out with them for 40 days before he goes to heaven. And, and during that time, he makes meals for them. They like share stories around a campfire at the beach. Um, but in Matthew's gospel, Jesus, it shows Jesus meets up with his friends basically immediately after this, and he bestows his authority on them. So we're going to keep reading. We're going to skip 11 to 15, and we're going to read 16. It says, Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. So uh, you can put your Bible down if you need to, but um, I want you to think about that time, that time that you encountered Jesus, like your, your first encounter of Christ. And maybe it's been like a slow and steady journey over like tons of Sunday school classes because you're born in the front pew of your church, or maybe you encountered Jesus through all the Bible stories that your mom told you or um, that you heard. And it's like those Bible stories and those Bible characters were like your best friends, essentially. So it could have just been like so ingrained in you, prayed over at night before bed. Um, but one day you had to make a choice, right? 
one day, if you grew up in the faith, you had to choose, is this going to be my faith or is it going to be my parents' faith? Am I going to make this my own and say yes to encountering Jesus or am I going to just step back and, and, and not do it any longer? And in that process, because you're all here today, I'm assuming that you're still choosing to encounter Jesus and Jesus is always encountering you. And maybe at times you look at Jesus and you, and you feel like those disciples who are like, there's 11 of them. They saw their best friend get like murdered ruthlessly on a cross and now he's standing in front of them and they're like, what is going on? And so it shows like some of them are worshiping Jesus and some of them are like kind of standing at a distance and doubting. But both belong. So sometimes in your walk and in your journey of encountering Jesus, you might be like, Jesus, you're amazing. You're the best. I love you so much. And other times you're like, I don't know right now. This is kind of weird what I'm believing in. But you know, Jesus doesn't rebuke them for their doubts. Jesus doesn't say, well, you don't obviously, you can't be a part of this any longer. How do you have those thoughts? He just includes, everyone belongs in, and he invites them to make more disciples within their doubts and in their uncertainties and to baptize the disciples, and he gives them the authority and the love to do that. Or maybe for some of you, your your journey has been more like St. Paul, where uh, he was like smacked upside the head by Jesus, like speaking life into him, saying, what are you doing? And he goes blind, and, and, and you... You had no idea how life could actually be life before. How were you even living before you met Christ? And it's just this radical conversion that happened in your life. And I think both belong. I think both have the story here. But regardless of how you came to Jesus and how you came to entrust your life into his life, Jesus has empowered you through the Holy Spirit to share that good life to share the good news with other people. And for those other people who find this good life is what they need, you get to make disciples out of. And a disciple simply means a follower of Jesus. It, it simply means knowing Jesus and obeying what he did, doing what Jesus did. And we talk about discipleship a lot here at Catalyst. Our, our vision statement is together we are disciples of Jesus Christ, living out the gospel of God's transforming love in Humboldt County and beyond. So disciples are it's a really important part for what we do. And for those of you who don't already know, discipleship back then was, a, it was an incredible honor. It was taken very seriously. For someone who was chosen by a rabbi, which rabbi means teacher, it meant that that person would give up everything to follow their rabbi. And their rabbi had the tools to life. And so it just made sense. This guy knows everything. I'm going to give up my whole life to follow him. And he thinks that I can do it because he chose me to do that. And there was a saying that um, was spoken, like a blessing spoken over people, over those disciples in the time of Jesus, if you were chosen by a rabbi. And that, that saying is, may you be covered in the dust of your rabbi. Basically, will, will you follow, may you follow so close in step behind your rabbi, behind your teacher, that the dust that his sandals are kicking up on the ground cover you from head to toe. May you follow so close to your rabbi that you're literally covered in the dust. And Jesus commissions his followers, commissions these disciples to invite other people into this new way of living that, that God has put in place, this new way of living that God has put in place where loving kindness becomes the loudest voice in the world. Inviting people into that. 
And then Jesus immediately speaks of baptism, specifically making committed followers of Jesus and then baptizing them in this Trinitarian understanding of God. So I'm going to talk about baptism for a little bit. Um, what was, anybody want to share what their baptism was like or how old you were or if you remember it or how it's affected you over the years, if, if it has? Anybody have a story to share? Nice. Who was, who was over 18 when you got baptized? Talia? Scott? David? Chris? Cool. Uh, who, well, everybody else would have been younger. Whoever's baptized, that was easy. Um, you know, and, and sometimes, sometimes if you got baptized very young, it's hard to remember it, or it's hard to uh, experience all the feelings of it. But regardless, like, something happened in that moment that does affect you. It just does in some way or another. Uh, a form of uh, baptism was around way before John the Baptist showed up. So um, a lot of times we think like, oh, John the Baptist, he was the one that started this whole baptism thing. Well, it was actually way, it was long way before he was like baptizing people in the Jordan River. Uh, within the temple system in Jerusalem, there were these rules that were put in place to help keep the filthy parts of life outside of the temple. It was called uh, mikvah or tevila is what it was called. Um, and most of the Jews in Jerusalem were so devout that when they went to the temple, they wouldn't have to do any washing because they only interacted with other Jews. They didn't uh, interact with people that were outside of the, the chosen race there, the chosen faith. And because they never intermixed, there wasn't any kind of contamination that could happen for them. But because Jerusalem was like the center spot where the temple was, people would make pilgrimages out there day in and day out, so they could then be a part of temple worship in Jerusalem. And when people are pilgriming out, there is so many ways that they could get in sort of a contaminated state. Uh, just from touching a, a lizard would make them contaminated. Um, interacting with other people that are not Jewish, who are Gentile, that could make them contaminated. Any kind of person that coughs on them could make them contaminated. All those sorts of pollutants made it difficult for them to be a part of temple life. So when they arrived, uh, they would have to do some sort of undergoing of priestly ceremonial washing. And that washing would remove any of those pollutants that might be covering them. It, it was a form of identity making where God loves us clean and chosen people, where God hates the dirty, unclean, non-chosen people. It kind of cemented that sort of value in. That was not what God instilled, but over time it kind of got cemented in. And this baptism was a way of separating a person from all that could make them unclean, like a separation of sorts. Now, around the time of Jesus, there was a, a corruption that was happening within the temple system, within the religious elite of the Sadducees and the Pharisees. Uh, Rome, if you can recall, had occupied all of that territory. So they were living in Jerusalem and around Jerusalem. Uh, Roman officials and soldiers were uh, there to apply heavy taxes because they were occupying the people. Um, burdens were placed on the people. Uh, there was a deep fear that surrounded people of this imprisonment and death. Um, that were placed upon the people there. Crucifixion was considered the most shameful and disgraceful way to die. 
It was only reserved for non-Roman people. So Romans who had to die were, were killed by a different format in a much more sane and sort sane, I guess, sort of way. But people who were not Rome, Roman had this, this fear of crucifixion. And the Romans weren't just like, hey guys, watch out. They literally, Josephus is like a Jewish historian during the first century, and he wrote stories of how the Romans would set up uh, crosses all around the gates of Jerusalem, all around the walls of Jerusalem, crucifying Jewish people to show that, that there's a fear. That if you do not obey, if you do not render to Caesar what is Caesar's, you will die. So there's this, there's this underlying fear. And what happens is, is that the religious Jewish leaders kind of understood that survival meant obeying and collaborating with Rome a little bit. Now, there were people who were like more devout out there. They were hyper-Puritan, uh, and they, they felt like the temple had to kind of become hopelessly corrupt. Uh, and these separatists are called the Essenes. They lived in these desert communities, like communes essentially outside and far away from Jerusalem. And what they did is they set up these little baptismal pools in their communities. And those baptismal pools were a way for them to just regulate the cleanliness, to make sure that they were right before God. So the, the, the historians say that they would use these baptismal these, these pools several times a day. And, and they would be... Uh, it, it, it wasn't, there, there wasn't any contaminants in it. They were able to like regulate the water, make sure the water was right and pure enough to be washed again and again. And I can imagine that the more you dip and the more you get cleansed, the more separate you become from those who are unclean. It's like a cementing of like, well, we are the right ones. We know right from wrong. So baptism on both fronts, because that is kind of the understanding of baptism when John the Baptist made his way. It was washing away contamination and a way to separate, because obviously God can't love a person who is not perfect. So John the Baptist is this guy who comes on scene. He's Jesus's uh, cousin, um, and he's born He's actually born into the priesthood, so he's supposed to be a priest. He's supposed to be part of the temple, but he kind of goes rogue, and he like goes away from it, and he ends up in this unpopulated area, and he starts baptizing people in the Jordan River. But the water's not pure in the Jordan River, right? Like it's not blessed with the right words. Um, it's probably contaminated with, with animal fecal matter, just because that's what animals do. Nothing about the water is controllable. But he takes people there. He or he doesn't even take people. He just is there and people come to him to be baptized. And this baptism isn't one of conformity. It's not one to like make sure that you're in with the right group or in with the right church membership or in with the right team. It was one of repentance. It wasn't a way to like separate from the dirty and nasty world and judging the world's shortcomings. It was a way of seeing and judging one's own shortcomings. I'm going to speak about repentance for a minute because I feel like it's kind of a big churchy word that for some of us can hold a little baggage. Um, the, so let me, let me talk about that for a second. God, God created you. This is how we understand the world. Spoke all things into existence. Spoke you into existence. Created you. Knit you together. Knows every detail about you and delights in you. This is who we worship. God delights in how he made you. 
And God made you to reflect his image, to reflect his purposes in the world. And the Bible has this story in the beginning in Genesis that a lot of you are familiar with. It's, it's a poetry story in the beginning where we see two human people, Adam and Eve. And the Bible shows them being in this right and very carefree relationship with their creator. And eventually these humans become unsatisfied with life as they know it, which we all kind of do sometimes. We all kind of imagine there must be more than this. And they are wondering if there is more than that. They become tempted and they eat from this tree that they were commanded not to eat from. And the Bible says at that moment their eyes were opened. And they saw what they had done. And, and, And everything that they had known to be good was then corrupted. And so the Bible says that they like, they wove together these fig leaves, like these organic materials to cover up anything that was exposed. Because before it said they were naked and they felt no shame. And afterwards they start covering up anything that was vulnerable, anything that was exposed so they couldn't be seen. And I believe that those coverings kind of remain with us today in a way. Like we cover and we hide everything that's not Instagram perfect. We don't want anybody to see any flaw. We want only the best of what life is out there in the open for everybody to see. You guys, it's really hard to reflect God's images and purposes in the world when we keep hiding and covering. Sin is a word that means missing the mark. It it means that God has a purpose for you. God has a way for all of us to live in the world. And when we miss that purpose, we miss the mark that God has set in place. It's like we can't quite see God and what God has for us because we're covered up. So repentance just means to turn and return. It it, it means to recognize those areas in your life where you may have missed the mark. It means to turn away from them and to return back to God's image and purpose. And, And while God's image and purpose and love and presence and all those things never left you, it's not like he's like, peace out, I'm done. You like did that thing. He never leaves you. We just can't access him because we've covered ourselves up. So just because you've done that doesn't mean his presence is gone. Just as those first humans covered and hid, so we cover and hide. And repentance is simply removing what you put on to see that God hasn't left and that you are fully loved and fully forgiven. It's not for you. Repentance is not, I'm sorry, it's for you. It's not for God. It's not for God to make sure that you're okay. It's for you. That is what repentance means. And in a religious system where only perfectionism was accepted and anything less than perfect was rejected, John baptized from the messiness of life and invited people into repentance and grace where everyone belongs, where everyone is welcomed in. And then there's like 40 days after John baptizes Jesus in the river, in the Jordan River, Jesus begins his ministry. He starts preaching an important and kind of redundant sermon again and again on repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. It's, it's coming. He, he says, okay, so look, you guys, look how you've been covering yourself up with this shroud of perfectionism, with this shroud of judge, judgmentalism, and look how these coverings keep you from participating in this life that God has knit you together in to participate in. Look how it's distracting you, you guys. See it, he says. Name it. 
Repent of it. Return to God's ways of living out loving kindness and justice and generosity to all people. And from these moments forward, and really because of Jesus' commission to his disciples, baptism became a public act of repentance that reveals a person's commitment to Jesus and his way of life. It doesn't mean that all of a sudden you're in the right club or anything like that. It just means that you're publicly saying, I see it, and I don't want that way anymore. I want to live somewhere different. I see it. Baptism became a public declaration of your faith. It has nothing to do with salvation. It has nothing to do with perfectionism. I've met people, um, many people who were baptized as babies. And then again, they get baptized in middle school or high school. And then again, they get baptized uh, maybe in college when they have another kind of sort of conversion. Um, But the idea is that once you're baptized, you're always baptized. I may understand like if somebody baptized you when you were a baby and you want to make that choice for yourself and get baptized, totally cool. It's just the thing is, is that the people back then felt like if I do something wrong, I just have to dunk again. I just have to dunk again and again, and that'll wash me. The water has no power. God has the power. He's already declared you clean. The water reminds you of what God has already done for you. The Bible uses this language throughout um, of of asleep and awake. I don't know if you've ever seen that. Paul uses it a lot, like wake up, O sleeper. Um, Being asleep was a common way back then to describe death in the ancient world. In Ephesians 5, 14, Paul says, wake up sleeper, rise from the dead, Christ will shine on you. Baptism is a way to wake up. If you're living a life that feels a little bit dead, like you're wondering where you're going, if you're staying in the shadows and you're hidden and covered where people only see your Instagram highlight of everything's just fine. Um, waking up is a really important thing to happen. Like when you feel, when you experience that true life that Jesus has for you, you're aware of God's presence. The resurrection of Jesus meant the world was invited to wake up. You're invited to wake up. And and baptism doesn't change a person, but God does. And baptism isn't for God to convince you that you're worthy of love and life. Baptism is for you to convince you that you are worthy of love and life because Jesus has changed you. And no one needs to be baptized again and again. And sometimes that can be almost like an idol, the same way that communion can be kind of an idol sometimes. But, but the water, the water is really hard to sleep in. It's really hard to stay asleep when water is pummeling your face. It's really hard to close your eyes to the injustice around you when you're awake. Baptism becomes a symbol of waking up to what God is doing in the world and what God has invited you to be a part of in the world. I have a friend who surfs most days. Anybody surf here? Wow, you guys, really? None of us. It's too cold, right? <laughs> Everyone's a little windsurf. Yeah, that's, that, that works. And it, who likes being in the water? Does anybody like going in the water? 
Okay, good. River water, lake water, pool water. But I have a friend who surfs, and she says that every time she goes under the water, whenever she like duck dives under a wave, she feels like she's, she's remembering her baptism. And because that water washes over, and she's like, yes, Jesus. It's like her church out there in the, in the ocean. She sees it as a way of remembering her baptism. And so while we don't get re-baptized again and again, scuba diver, you're probably always being baptized. It's like... <laughs> While you're not getting re-baptized again and again, you are always remembering what Jesus has done for you and what the water represents. It represents wake up. God is doing something new in this way that he's created you to live and you get to say yes to it again and again. We talk about God being the God of props here a lot, right? Like God uses all these different things to help us remember who we are and what God has done for us. Communion is one of them. Um, And we always take communion every week. We receive the body of Christ with the bread and we receive the blood of Christ with the juice. Um, But baptism is another type of a prop. And we rediscover a a baptism of repentance where, where what happens is this group of people, you guys show me the ways that I'm missing the mark because I know I am, but I can't always see it. And I get to show you and we get to show each other the ways that we are missing the mark and trying to cover ourselves up and trying to hide. And it's loving kindness that we show that to each other, not out of judgment or out of like, you're not perfect enough or God isn't accepting you right now, just so that we can remove and be clear in front of each other and in front of God. Baptism, one more thing before we go into our time of communion. Um, It's a way of remembering that in the immersion, we're being immersed into Christ himself. We put on Christ in that moment. And so um, the Catholic Church has this great uh, tradition that I just love so much, where um, when you become a part of the Catholic Church, the priest will cross your eyes, and he'll cross your ears, and he'll cross your mouth, and he'll cross your hands, and he'll cross your feet, and he'll cross your heart. And in that way, it's basically saying, may you see from the eyes of Jesus Christ crucified. May you hear from the ears of Jesus Christ crucified. May you love with the love of Christ crucified. May you walk as Christ crucified. May you serve as Christ crucified. So as we go forward with our time of uh, worship today, we're going to sing three songs together and worship Jesus. We're going to take communion in the back whenever you're ready. You can come there and and celebrate the Lord's Supper. Um, But as you come to the back, there's a bowl of water back there, and it has our little prayer stones in it. So there's past prayers that are in that water. I, I want you to come up. And maybe you need to pray about this first before you come forward, but um, dip your fingers in the water. If you've never been baptized, do it anyway if you want, if you feel like it. Dip your fingers in that water and make that sign of the cross wherever you feel like Jesus is asking you to see, feel, heal, hear, walk differently. You might need to cross all of yourself, and that's okay. But if there's one spot, if you're just like, I'm missing it, my eyes have been closed for too long, cross your eyes. Again, no judgment here. You can cross any part of you. If you're just like, man, I feel like I have just been walking through life, not even paying attention to where I'm stepping, cross your feet. 
If you're like, I've been living for myself and my hands have been serving myself and feeding myself and loving myself only, cross your hands. Rebaptize, not rebaptize, remember your baptism in that moment as you come forward for the body of Christ broken for you, the blood of Christ shed for you. Thanks for listening to this podcast. For more information about ways that you can be involved with Catalyst, please visit our website at provokechange.org. Until next time, continue loving God, loving our neighbors, and loving each other.